0: Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Laying the Points with Farley Betts. It's time for our Week 5 ATS breakdown. But before we get to that, I got a few notes and a few things I want to talk about. First of all, and most obviously, as you can tell, no Steve Norman today on the podcast. My best guy, my circuit partner, Bobo Betts, at Bobo Betts on Twitter, is where you can find him. Still giving out his soccer and NFL plays, but for the time being, Steve is going to take a little hiatus from the podcast world. Uh, obviously, we're going to really miss Steve on this podcast because just the banter between him and I, I think the back and forth has been fantastic uh, as long as we've been doing it. Steve has a lot going on. He has a newborn. He travels for work. he, he I mean, he's exhausted. And, you know, it's a good... It's a really good reminder for all of us that, hey, especially in the sports betting world, I mean, I guess this is why you pay us for, for picks, right? Because to be a good handicapper week to week, consistent, getting good value, you have to give time to this industry. You have to be you know, somewhat obsessed. And if you still have another job and other priorities and things going on, it could be really tough. So I'm, I'm proud of Steve for taking it easy on himself. That's not easy for him. You know, he's a typical tough guy like me, you know, or, or at least we think we are. <laughs> and we, uh, it's, you know, not easy for us to take a break from anything, but we will surely miss Steve on the show. Uh, today is just going to be me on a solo pod going over our week five NFL breakdown week to week. I'm going to try to bring on more guests so that there's more banter and more back and forth. Of course, the NBA season is around the corner, so I'll have more content with the NBA and there's going to be some changes overall with Farley bets in my presentation and things I'm involved with. So stay tuned for that. Change is good. It's all good stuff. We're going to miss Steve on this podcast. I think he'll be back eventually. But, you know, let's give him the time and space that he needs. Um, you know, not everybody can can just be in this industry a hundred percent all the time. You know, that's what I'm trying to do. And even I'm not, even I'm not there yet, right? I'm I'm trying to uh, trying to get to that point where that's all I do every single day. But keep the bills paid and family running and everything going in the house. Sometimes you just, you know, we have ourselves just going in every which direction, right? So I uh, got to take care of the important things first. And we'll miss you Steve, but you'll be back on here soon, I'm sure. With that, I mentioned the NBA season is around the corner. Oh, yes it is. Few things to say about the NBA first of all. You probably know this if you're a listener, but our last two years, which has been our entire career of, of NBA betting, since we came on the scene two years ago in this industry, um, we've hit at 490 and 375. That's over 800 picks of NBA plays in the past two years. That's 57%. We've won over 130 units during that time, all verified my plays at the odds breakers and premium plays at the odds breakers. So... Now's the time to hop on board. Send me a DM if you have any questions on Twitter or Instagram. You can sign up for my premium packages at the Odds Breakers. Um, you know, let me know because this is the time to, to, to jump on board as we start hopefully another historic NBA season of betting and winning. Um, again, last year over 70 units won. You multiply anything by 70, and that's what you would have won. If you bet on every wager I gave out last year, hopefully we can put on another repeat performance. A three-year, three years of dominance is tough to do, but we're going to go for it, and we feel very comfortable always with our NBA assertion. So you know, it's just a it's a market that you can really expose, I think, and I'm not, I don't think that's changing anytime soon, especially with just. The way some of these younger players are right they're still developing there's rest spots that's just the nba story right you can expose some some uh, angles and situations and and you know team chemistry and emotion and motivation i mean that's what we do and it's probably what we do best in the sports betting world so looking forward to another great nba year on that note too i don't know if anyone saw last night zion williamson <laughs> I said this a few weeks ago, and I stick by it, and you can quote me on this, and you can, listen, you can dog me until the day is old if I get this wrong. But a more fit, agile, smooth Zion without weight problems is a very, very dangerous thing for the NBA. I mean, for other NBA teams, I should say. I mean, we are looking at a potential superstar in the likes of maybe a LeBron James, or, you know, uh, just some of his previous, you know, predecessors, right? Like a Kobe Bryant Shaq. Not every superstar is built the same, right? So you can't be like, you know, people hate it on LeBron because they're like, oh, he's not Jordan. He's not anywhere near, you know, he's not a, as good of a scorer as Jordan is. Well, that's obvious, okay? But LeBron is his own brand of superstar. He can do it all, right? He's a great leader. Uh, he's like Brock Lesnar out there in the court, just runs people over. Like there's something to that. That's what Shaq did too. Not everybody's the same, right? But Zion has this very endearing, earnest, uh, like almost innocent, sweet way about him off the court, which is, which is very charismatic. And then at the same time, when he gets on the court and that bitch goes up in the air, all 200 and what, 70 pounds of him, who knows, maybe less now, but still, that just means it's more muscle. He's scary. That's a scary athlete. And if he continues to improve his shooting game, what can that guy not do? So, uh, you know, Zion is something that the Pelicans in general are a team to watch out for. I think they are becoming one of the more talented rosters in the NBA, the way that they're developing. Love their coach, Willie Green. So we'll, we'll see about the Pelicans and we'll see about Zion. However, I'm pretty bullish that this version of Zion can and will take the NBA by storm this year. Something to watch out for. On that note about the NBA, too, I don't bet a lot of NBA preseason. You know I'm not a big futures guy. I've talked about that at length. Um, Would rather not invest my well-earned money with all the variance and crazy shit that can happen in a full season in an NBA future, I do think there's value at certain points. And if I find it, I'll talk about it on the show before the season starts. But uh, for now, you know, I would say for the preseason, if you want to bet on the NBA preseason, watch for line movement every single day. Yesterday, Kate Constable pointed out something really sharp on Twitter as, as she grows and becomes a really sharp handicapper on her own. you pointed out that that Utah Jazz line moves from uh, Jazz, I think, plus four and a half, all the, way to, all, all the way to minus one, trailblazers off of back-to-back. And what do you know? The Jazz ended up surging in the second half and easily beating the Blazers on the road. Those are the things you want to look out for, right? Uh, as, as it comes closer to tip-off, maybe these teams announce more injuries, um, right? Or, or just maybe there's some intel that they're not going to play. Their starters as long. So the other team has an advantage. So just pay attention to line movement. I'll point it out here on a podcast if if you know if it's apparent, if it's relevant. Uh, but I wouldn't be too bullish on betting the NBA preseason, right? Like something that I always always notice about myself is I'm I was looking at these NBA preseason lines this morning, and I'm like really hesitant to put any of my money on it. So if I'm hesitant to put my money on it, why the hell would I tell you to put your money on it? Right. That that's always a good way to figure out as a handicapper or, or as a, somebody who's, who's giving premium picks. Like if you're not willing to put your own money on it, you better not give that out as a pick because you're not that confident on it then. Right. So there be a preseason. If you want to bet on it, go ahead. Don't bet too much. I'll just say that one last note before we get started here with our ATS breakdown. And it's an important one. This is just a general, this is uh professor Farley here, just talking generally about sports betting. At the end of the day, at the beginning of the day, sports betting is all about anticipating regression, anticipating variance. Now, that sounds like an oxymoron, doesn't it? How can you anticipate variance, right? The very nature of variance is that it's unpredictable. Things happen that don't make sense, right? Colts and Chiefs in week three, I get it. But the point here is that all teams, especially in pro leagues, NBA, NFL, all teams eventually kind of regress back to their mean of their talent level, of their leadership level, of their own capabilities, right? That's why Kiev puts out every week at the odds breakers misleading scores, right? Like misleading results. Maybe a team won. It doesn't mean they played a better game. Um, you know, we, we saw that with the Colts in week three. You saw that with the Raiders last week, they finally won. And in the right spot, teams are going to play better, even if they've looked really bad. And in the wrong spot, teams that have looked really good could show up a little sloppy. So that's what you want to try to anticipate, right? And that's why I say more than all the data in the world, you know, more than all this, you know, model crunching and shit, this sport, this industry, sports betting, is about human behavior, and it's about team and social dynamics, anticipating regression. That's what it's all about. If you get good at that, which in my opinion is a lot of psychology, it's a lot of people evaluation, especially in the pros, if you get better at that, you will win much more. I think that's what we're pretty good at so far in the NFL and NBA, and we will try and keep that rolling. All righty then, let's get to the week five NFL slate. I'm going to go according to DraftKings.com. Uh, I always say .com like I'm from Chicago. I'm not. Chicago.com. Uh, I'm going by DraftKings, and we're going to roll right through these. Probably be a shorter podcast today because there's not the back and forth of Steve and I. Sad face there. <laughs> but... um. But uh, we're still going to give a comprehensive overview of all these games and all of our leans. Uh, Obviously, if you're interested in premium picks, which is my, which are my actual plays, sign up at the Odds Breakers or send me a DM if you have any questions. We went 11 and four. I'm sorry, 11 and five and one last week for nearly plus seven units, plus nine units heading into Monday Night Football. But got that one wrong. Had a teaser. Should have just picked the Niners. Overall, a really good week in Week Four, and we hope to keep that rolling. That's usually what happens. This is the time of year where things get good. We start winning a lot more. Okay, let's get to it. Colts at the Broncos. The Colts are three-and-a-half-point dogs on the road. Obviously, a short week for both teams. We've seen the home team is just in a much better position in these Thursday night football games so far. Totals at 42-and-a-half. My first thought on this is where are the points going to come from? It's going to be a nice day there in Denver, but it doesn't mean there's going to be a lot of scoring. We've seen Denver's defense play at home pretty darn good. They look good against the 49ers anyway. Of course, the 49ers, that's another topic because Shanahan just plays – he just has different play calling against certain teams. And sometimes he's really conservative against, like, you know, non-conference, non-divisional teams. And, like, the 49ers that faced the Broncos and then the 49ers that faced the Rams last week, those are, like – I mean, those are two different teams. You know, Shanahan rolls out just a much more advanced playbook for his rivals. And I don't get it. But anyway, something to look out for. But either way, Broncos and Colts, not a lot to like about these two teams. And we're talking about regression. I just think the Colts are not a very good football team this year. And a lot of that is because of Matt Ryan. And I didn't hear a lot of people saying that in the preseason. We were saying it. Matt Ryan. what's there to get excited about, right? He's not in his prime. He can't move around. And now his offensive line has been very questionable, which doesn't make matters any better for Matt Ryan and the Colts. Now, they are outperforming and outgaining other teams in some of these games. But like last week, right, people are going to point to that in the box score. Wait a second. They outgained the Titans easily in that game. They should have won. No, not really. Because when it mattered, right, The Titans got pressure throughout that game. They had big plays. They made smart plays, third down conversions, scored quick. I mean, we see that with the Eagles a lot, right? If these teams score quick in the first half, they can kind of chill in the second half. Yeah, the Titans didn't do much in the second half. They didn't need to, but their defense stepped up when it mattered. The Colts don't know how to step up when it matters, especially on offense, and I don't trust them. I think in this game, the only way you can look is Denver. There's not a ton to like from Denver either right? Russell Wilson starting to look better, starting to look like there's more chemistry with his guys. Javonta Williams is out for the year, I think, right? I mean, that sucks. That guy was ready to explode. So you don't like their running back situation right now. Melvin Gordon is a little banged up too. But Russell Wilson is a way more dynamic quarterback still. He's not quite what he used to be, but better than Matt Ryan. And I think that Denver Broncos defense is going to play really hard. So the only way for me to look at this game is either Denver and definitely the uh, the under. That might be a free play I give out this week because um, I don't see where the points are going to come. Two defenses ahead of their offenses. Uh, Jonathan Taylor could be out of this game. I, I got to check on that for the update. So check on that while you're listening. But he's banged up, right? Got an ankle injury. So, I mean, there's just the, the production level of these teams should be really low kind of like an under Packers and Giants Giants are now down to eight and a half point dogs on the road but both teams are on the road because this is in London totals at 41 Giants used to be nine and a half point dogs heading into this I think some of the line movement suggests that Daniel Jones is playing in this game that's a good thing for the Giants but is Kadarius Tony playing for the Giants we're still not sure maybe Wendale Robinson their rookie Looks like a dynamic rookie wide receiver could play for the Giants in this one. The Giants wide receivers had three catches for, for 25 yards last week. I'm going to, you might hear some clicking in the background because I'm going to make sure that that's right. I just, I just tweeted that yesterday. So I'm pretty positive. That's right. But like, yeah, three passes for 25 yards to the wide receivers last week. They got wide receiver issues guys <laughs> to say the least. Um, But Saquon Barkley has been their savior, their MVP, having one hell of a year. Uh, He was responsible for like 50% of their offense last week alone. Unbelievable. And and I'm just not really – like who's impressed by the Packers' offense so far? I think there's some of these narratives, right, like about the Saints, about the Packers, where like, oh, these teams will figure it out. Uh, These teams will figure it out. I'm not so sure. Like the Packers just don't have the same talent at wide receiver. They're not getting a lot of separation. And it makes sense. So I mean, G- Green Bay unders and Giants unders are three and one against the spread. I don't know where the points are going to come from in this one, too. And guess what? It's probably going to be pretty sloppy over there in London. So to me, that favors the dog and favors the under. I'm not too bullish. I'm betting on the Giants, though. Let's put it that way. Steelers at Bills. Uh here's our here's our first huge line of the NFL season. It's Steelers. 14-point dogs on the road at Buffalo against the juggernaut. That is the Bills. On DraftKings, their money line is minus 950. (laughs) You think the Bills are going to be picked in Survivor this week? Uh, Yeah, I think so. Um, I don't know. This is tough because the Bills could obviously smash the Steelers into oblivion at home. But the Steelers do not feel very good about themselves right now. There's a lot of chatter in Pittsburgh. This is the first time since the merger, like since the merger, you know, like a very, very long time ago since it became the NFL, that the Steelers are 14-point dogs. Steelers have always been pretty good. Crazy. You you think the Steelers don't know that? You think that doesn't hype up the Steelers? I think it does. And Kenny Pickett is a lot better than people think. Three interceptions last week, all right. Maybe a little aggressive out the gate. But two of those were not his fault. Watch the game. And he was fitting the ball into tight spaces way better than what we've seen from Mitch Trubisky. And that's a confidence thing, I think. I think he's comfortable there with the Steelers. And he has a pretty damn good arm. Kind of like the over in this one. That's my lean. And kind of lean towards the Steelers. Oh, boy. Bills are the Bills. Bills are still a little banged up, though, too. Now talk about a smash spot. The Buccaneers are at home this week against the Atlanta Falcons, nine-point favorites at home, totals at 48. This is where we talk about regression. I'm not overly bullish on playing the Bucs at minus nine. That's a huge line in the NFL. And the Falcons are 4-0 oh against the spread, 4-0 oh against the spread. And the Falcons, I think, are so far the surprise of the year. They're playing hard. They're playing hard. They're not they're not you know a really good football team or anything. But now they've won two in a row. They're playing hard. Their defense is flying around, too. I'm impressed by that. They got some guys on offense, obviously. Big thing here, though, is Quarterell Patterson is not gonna be playing in this game. Got injured last week. Uh let's see, how 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 long is he gonna be out for? I mean, he, he got placed on IR, right? So that's a knee procedure. He's gonna be out for a little while. That's a huge loss. I mean, he kind of does everything for the Falcons. He stole Jake London. It looks good. Kyle Pitts getting more reps, more looks. But this feels like a circled, like, let's fucking go, Tom Brady. Let's smash this team spot. Tampa Bay at home after a disappointing loss in Sunday Night Football to their Super Bowl foe from two years ago. Allowed the KC to put up 41 points, Right? bucks are probably going to kill the Falcons. They make a really good teaser leg. And I think you should probably consider it at minus nine. I know I am dolphins at the jets. I don't, I don't think the jets should be only three point dogs here. I know they're at home. So this is saying like the jets are right. Like four and a half to five and a half points worse than the dolphins. So I guess that's correct, but it's still three points in the NFL. I don't I don't see a lot of home field advantage for the Jets. Um and the Dolphins. I know they're going with Bridgewater. It's not Tua. There's a lot of controversy there right now. But this is a way better overall team than the Jets. Way better. Better coached. They fly around on defense. They don't always get sacks, but they pressure the quarterback. They confuse the quarterback. How do you think that's going to fare for Zach Wilson? Now, give him credit last week. Led the Jets down the field against the Steelers. Again, I think that's more of an indictment on the Steelers' defense. But he played well, especially in the fourth quarter. I just, as far as a team goes, 10 days of rest in between to just get pissed off and ready to play football again. I lean Jets. Bears at the Vikings. Vikings seven-point favorites. Totals is at 44. Now, the fact that the total is at 44 tells me that the books are not anticipating that the Bears are going to put up many points, right? And usually when there's not a high total, you immediately look at the dog. Like, does that favor the dog? Okay, maybe. Um, listen, the New York Giants beat the Bears at home by more than seven points. And that's without a passing game. And the Vikings, since week one, haven't really had that second game where they exploded, and 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 just put out a full offensive performance from like Justin Jefferson, Dalvin Cook, right, all their Adam Thielen, all their contributors, and you can run the ball in Chicago. So if their run game gets going in this one, let's see, is uh, Dalvin Cook going to be back this week? You know, I don't really look at injuries on a Wednesday because. The NFL is coming in more and more like the NBA. It's kind of hard to anticipate. Um, yeah, I mean, he's close. I think he's close to coming back. But anyway, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, Madison is a good backup. They have a good running offensive line. They always have for, like, the entire time that Kirk has been there. They have a defense that's good enough to stifle Justin Fields and his zero Receiver talent. I mean, he he's really dealing with a really tough situation there. He he's also not really progressing the way you would hope he would at this point in, in his second year in the NFL. But look who he has a coach, like a defensive mind, a coach at Matt Iber Um, I don't know. I just I still feel for Justin Fields, but I think this sets up for a Vikings blowout. Sad. Sad for Bears fans. That first week one win. Woo! And eh, I don't know about that. Texans at the Jaguars. The Jaguars are seven-point favorites on the road. Wow. Who would have thought as of week five that the Jags would be seven-point favorites against anybody? So I'll start with that. Tolls at 44. This is tough because I could see the Jaguars beating down the Texans. I mean, look what they did to the Colts at home. But it's the divisional opponent. The Texans hang around. I mean, Texans almost covered against the Chargers last week and came back. I guess slight lean on the Texans, but I don't really have anything bullish on this one. I mean, do the Texans, do the Jaguars deserve to be this big of a favorite? They're obviously a, a team that's evolving, but they were also exposed last week against the Eagles. Like they're not quite in the class of teams like that just yet, right? So they're probably still closer. Like if you ask yourself, the Jaguars, are they closer to the number one team in the league? Or are they closer to the number 32 team in the league? You, you would probably say like maybe right there in the middle. And maybe a slight lean to more towards the 32nd team, you know. So I mean, the Jags are improving, but seven point favorites. Mm. Maybe you take the Jags in a teaser leg, but I don't. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not ready to fire on that one. Lions at the Patriots. Patriots are three point favorites at home against the Lions. Totals of 46 and a half. Now. This is a great example of expecting regression. The Patriots, even though they lost against the Packers, they probably felt pretty good about themselves. They did a lot of good creative things on offense with backup quarterbacks, right? Brian Hoyer went out too, and in came Bailey Zappy. Zap? Zappa. I did clearly I didn't hear the commentator say his name because I don't know how the hell to say his name. Zappy! Um but but uh you know Lions have real problems on defense, real problems on defense. But that's kind of the talk of the town this week, right? Dan Campbell's talking about a lot. There's going to be some changes. They're going to put Aiden Hutchinson in different situations. I like that. Patriots offensive line isn't as good as it used to be. They're they're on their third string quarterback. I mean, are we so sure that the Lions should be three-point dogs even on the road? After that performance, they should be getting some of their offensive stars back. DeAndre Swift is questionable. Amaron St. Brown, I think, is questionable. He could come back. Um, if the Lions get ahead in this game, they're in a really good spot. I don't think the Patriots should be three-point favorites. I think that's a sucker bet. Chargers at the Browns chargers are three point favorites on the road against the Browns totals of 47 and a half two teams that I really don't want to bet on right now because they're not showing a lot of consistency, right? Like the Browns can beat you because they have a great run game and they have a very formidable defense. Um, the chargers can obviously beat you because of all their talent, but they, they underperform again, the Texans almost came back and covered on them on the road last week. Um, well the chargers are on the road you get it um if herbert and the chargers can get ahead early in this one they should cover this line but if the browns control this game on the ground the browns can cover this line the, the browns could win you know so it, this is tough it it the line is very sharp it's exactly where it should be but i'm i'm not confident in either side by the way, in all these games, doesn't look like weather is going to be a huge concern for most of these contes- contests, so that, that's good. That's really good, right? I mean, in, in weeks past, uh, just uh, you, you know, just adds to the volatility sometimes, doesn't it? A.K.A. Bears and 49ers in week one. All right, Titans at the Commanders. Ooh. Commanders are two-and-a-half-point dogs at home. Total is 42-and-a-half. Ah, boy. I mean... Is this the spot where the commanders finally get a win since they only won in week one? I mean, holy shit. Like, how do you bet on the commanders at this point, really? Um, they have real problems protecting Carson Wentz, and the Titans can get to the quarterback. They've proved it. You know, Bud Dupree played last week, so it will probably be in again. The D-line's a little banged up still, but they get to the quarterback. And if they're doing that to Carson Wentz, I still lean to the Titans. I mean, I got the Titans at a virtual pick-em, minus one. I think that's a good line. I could see the commanders keeping this close and an all-out effort, blah, blah, blah. Don't really want to bet that game. <laughs> Seahawks at the Saints. Uh, Saints are now five-and-a-half point favorites at home. It was up to six. Total's of 46. I'll say this. I, I kind of like the over in this one, just my lean for now because – uh, we saw the saints offense finally come together a little bit in that last game. Andy Dawn led them down the field a few times. That kind of momentum can, you know, carry over into the next week, right? You feel a little better about yourself, even in a loss, the Seahawks. Listen, brah, you got to say a Gino Smith. He has, I believe he has the highest quarterback completion percentage through four weeks than any NFL quarterback ever, <laughs> So I'm not saying Geno Smith is elite, but he's making smart decisions. I think week two was more more of an anomaly. Like That was a spot for the 49ers to blow out the Seahawks, but it wasn't necessarily an indictment on the Seahawks. They're not as bad as I thought. I don't think they can move the ball. A Saints defense, obviously much, much better than the Lions defense from last week, but the Seahawks can move the ball. And they stretch the field. Uh, they're top five in yards per pass. You know, DK Metcalf, right? He's he's that's what he does. That's what that's what Russell Wilson had, and that's why Russ probably can't stretch the field the same way in Denver. But um, six to, six point dogs, I didn't like that for the Saints. Five and a half point, I still lean to the Seahawks. And I know it's, it feels like a kind of a trap, right? Seahawks off of a big performance and a big win on the road. Saints off of a loss back at home. I get it. I just think this is a little too much. You're like, I think the Saints win this game, but covering a six, like winning by six, just are the Saints even capable of that right now? It doesn't seem like it. 49ers at the Carolina Panthers. Talk about a team that doesn't look capable. <clears throat> Baker Mayfield, baby, bring out the drums. <Warrior> Baker, you suck. You suck. And we knew you sucked. You're not good. You're not athletic. Your QBR is like 15. You're throwing well under 50% completion percentage. And now you now you got the 49ers defense coming at you? Good luck. Lean towards the under in this one. The only thing that's iffy about the 49ers is what I alluded to earlier in the show. You don't know what kind of offense in play calling Kyle Shanahan's going to roll out. He might choose to show nothing in this game. Just play very conservative and just win, right? Like, just do enough to win. He's weird like that. Because last week, you look at the 49ers and what they did with Debo and those trick run plays, you know, misdirection. I mean, they had the Rams defense going all over the place in that game. And that's the thing. Jimmy G doesn't have to do much, right? A little dump pass here, a little dump pass there. There goes Debo Samuel for 70 yards. You know, that that's, that's how the 49ers thrive, though. Like, Jimmy G... He's just, he knows the playbook. He knows how to run it. He knows how to make the right decisions in it. And if they even do a semblance of that, they're going to blow out the Panthers this weekend because the Panthers' offense against this defense, uh-uh, don't trust it. I will look at Panthers' team total unders. I will look at the under in this one. I'm not too bullish on the 49ers minus six and a half because of what I said, but um, Panthers don't look good. Eagles at the Cardinals. This is kind of a tricky line, isn't it? Isn't it? Eagles now five and a half point favorites was five and it was sticking to five for a long time. And you question that right. Totals 49. You question that because it's like my laundry just went off. And uh, I always think you guys can hear that. And I don't think you can. So I hope you can't, but Eagles and Cardinals. um, Yeah. How is this only five points? How is it only five and a half points, right? It's essentially saying that the Eagles are seven and a half to eight points better than the Cardinals. True. I mean, true, but it's still lined at five, right? You're going to give the Cardinals two to three points of home field advantage here? A Cardinals team that is last place in the league in first half points scored. A a Cardinals team that is last place in the NFL in first half points allowed. An Eagles team that is first place in the NFL in first half points Maybe you should look at a first-half line because if history is correct, and again, is this a spot for regression for both teams? I don't know. I don't see it, though. The Cardinals' weak defensive line, the Cardinals' weak offensive line, the the Eagles should – unless the Eagles mail this one in and just have a complete meltdown of, like, mental exhaustion from playing so well, they're going to control the trenches again and they should blow out the Cardinals again, right? Like they're an ATS team at this point, or the Eagles that we just have to kind of play on them until they prove it otherwise. That's my perspective. Cowboys at the Rams. Rams four and a half point favorites. I think that's a little too high at home. Total's 43. The reason why that's too high for me, and I know the Cowboys, you know, the Cowboys I think are, are edging on a top 10 team, mostly because of their defense. Cooper Rush playing really well. But that defensive line is going to be a real problem, right, against the Rams' offensive line that can't protect Matthew Stafford so far. He's running around everywhere. And Micah Parsons ain't going away. Like, that defense isn't going anywhere. And he didn't even have any sacks last week, and they still blew up the commander's backfield there. So, you know, four and a half points? Mm. This is a tough one because the Rams are going to want to get right after that loss on Monday Night Football, but the Cowboys, again, could be able to wreak havoc on Matthew Stafford. Like Eli said, wreaked, wreak havoc, wreaked havoc. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, that's a tough one. Let's go to the next game. Bengals at Ravens. Ravens are minus three at home. That line is exactly right. That's where it has to be. Bengals off of 10 days of rest, though. Total's of 48 and a half. I think there could be some points in this one. Lamar is going to again want to show out after no points in the in the second half against the Bills. That was really disappointing for the Ravens last week. Uh, and the Bengals, I mean, they should be ready to roll after a nice win on Thursday Night Football. So I think I think this is just going to be a really entertaining game. Probably going to be a close game. The Bengals make a good teaser leg here, um, but I don't, I don't I'm not too bullish on betting it because it's exactly right. It's exactly where it should be. I, I could see this game literally ending 27-24. Raiders at the Chiefs, Monday night football, the final game to talk about here. And the Chiefs are seven-point favorites at home, totals 51. So let me get this straight. The Chiefs are seven-point favorites, meaning – and they're at home, right? A recent NFL poll or audience poll showed that the Chiefs stadium is voted the most intimidating in all of football. So you got to give them, what, two and a half at least, right, for home field advantage. So you're telling me the Chiefs are only four and a half points better than the Raiders? I know the Raiders just got a good win, but hashtag blowout potential. Um, the Chiefs offense was humming against the Bucks. Probably going to be a little bit of a letdown this week after that performance. But the Raiders defense, you don't have to – play at the same level against the Raiders defense because they're very flawed and the way the chiefs move around their players and use speed the Raiders have always played I mean ever since I've been watching them um especially the past few years the Raiders play overly aggressive defense they overcommit. Andy Reid should be able to you know bait those defenders into those misdirection plays all game all game Patrick Mahomes at home, you know, they, they're they 3-1. and one. It's going to be a very competitive AFC West. I can only look at the Chiefs here. And I, and I think the over, I think there's going to be some points. I mean, the Vegas Raiders finally got going somewhat on offense. They'll so probably put up close to 20, right? And, and if it goes in the 20s, and this is going over for sure. All right, my big ball bet of the week. I got to do it even though Steve's not here. Sad. Um, but I gotta do it. Let's see. Big balls better the week. Has to be over four points. Uh listen, it's not a good spot at all. It's not a good spot. But the Cowboys could beat the Rams. If Cooper Rush keeps on playing effectively, efficiently, and if their defense again gets gets into the backfield, yeah, you know, gets into Matthew Stafford's head. I mean, this is a Cowboys team that is – they're playing some of the best defense that they've played, you know, since their, like, Super Bowl years. And Micah Parsons is a huge part of that, but a lot of players on their team are a big part of that. They're – you know, Drayvon Diggs, they're they're playing well. Um, And I just – the Rams don't have wide receivers right now. They just don't. Cooper Cup has to do it all. So, you know, the Rams are very good against the run. They should stifle the Cowboys' run offense. Uh, but that's going to be a closer game, I think, than people think. So I guess if I think that the Cowboys could win straight up, maybe four and a half is is of value. I also think the Seahawks could beat the Saints. I know, it, again, those are two bad spots. So don't put a lot of money on it if you follow these big bulls plays. But Seahawks and Cowboys, I think they could win this week for reals. And you know what? The commanders probably could too. But you're not seeing me put my money on it. <laughs> that's that's for damn sure. All right, ladies and gentlemen. Look forward to more laying the points with Farley Betts every week, talking NFL. We're going to be talking NBA here soon as well. I can't wait for that. Look for more guests in the upcoming weeks. You can follow me at the 33rd team and all the content I put out there, obviously here at the Oddsbreakers in this podcast. I'm on the BetUS NFL show every Thursday at 1 o'clock. The BetUS NBA show, too, around the corner as well. That's I'll be on that show Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday at 2 o'clock during the week when the season begins. We're all over the place. We're doing a lot of things. Check us out at the Hammer Network too to give out some free plays. Thank you so much for listening. Follow me at Farley Betts on social media. See you next time. Laying the points with Farley Betts. Let's fucking again.